Welcome to another episode of Turdy for Turdy. I'm here with my buddy Maher, and Maher, do I have some exciting news for you? Um, I'm I'm excited that you're excited, so you know it's just the double excite. Two things. First of all, we finally got some emails on our uh, atfootpod at gmail.com. It was from uh, Doritos. I entered into a little sweet stapes, and they just sent a confirmation to me. So Doritos is our number one fan. We got that going for us. Ooh. Um, did they? Did you say, like, bring me a bear, and then they brought you a bear? Yeah. I, uh, I actually built a time machine, and then I just put my Doritos in it to power it, and here we are. Like, by that, did you mean, like, did then Hitler, like, come up, and then you, like, punch him in the face and say, bad Hitler? No, I just stuck a Dorito in his mouth, and then he like had this look of shock and awe on his face, and let's just say his taste buds were blitzkrieged. Ooh, so he, afterwards he was like, oh, that Dorito was delicious, I love the Jews now, and I don't think that was German sounding at all. Yeah, no. The other thing that I wanted to tell you about, newsworthy, is we are actually branching out of football for the first time in this show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa! Uh, there, are, there's other, words. there's other sports. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm flattered. There's at least one other one, and we're talking about her today. I hope it's cricket. It's not cricket. I hope it's I'll rugby. Ahead. I'll go ahead and tell. Is it you Quidditch? Uh, actually, you know, Quidditch, Quidditch is a real thing. Yeah, I know. I uh, so when I was in college, uh there was a little like field outside my dorm and they would play Quidditch. And then all of a sudden, a couple years later, I uh, end up graduating and then I go back there later for a, a job. And um, now they're using like the main parade grounds area to play Quidditch out in the open and it's official. And it's a, uh, what's the term? It's not like an actual like sport. It's a club sport. And yeah. they apparently, um, there's another little field they use, uh, and they play Quidditch, and they have to run around and uh, hold the stick between their legs. So, you know, it's really weird though, because I tried to talk to a couple of the guys that played it, and they were just like, "Yeah, it's real fun. I like playing Quidditch a lot." <laughs> I've seen people playing it at Herman Park when I first moved up here, and it makes absolutely no sense. It's, I mean, if there's just some dude in a gold outfit running around like, "Catch me if you can." <laughs> yeah, I mean, the little gold ball is just a person. Yeah, there's that's like spray painted gold. There's just they put like this like little like dweebiest skinniest guy out there that probably like runs cross country. And like you just run, and some fat dude's gonna try to chase you. It basically it sounds like something that would happen in Wink's Rumpus Room. <laughs> I'm gonna grab you, Snitch. <laughs> grab the little gold guy. His name's Snitch. <laughs> Lilo and Snitch. Snitches, All right, so, scritches. I don't know. So let's get this popping. Uh, let's jump into our main topic of the night. So as we usually do, I'm going to tell you that the year was 2001. What, you usually Delicious. tell me the year is 2001? Yes, every day. Is it a space odyssey or is it something else? Oh, this is an odyssey for sure. It's maybe like a partly a Chinese odyssey, but we'll get there in a minute. Uh, so 2001, as I always do, I like to tell you the top song and the top movie from the year. Do you remember what the top movie was in 2001? You have a guess? Ooh, um, 
Man, that's so long ago now. I won't. No, I was trying. To, I the first thing that popped to my mind was The Matrix, but I'm pretty sure that came out in '99. Um, so I'm assuming it was probably some uh, crappy reboot of something that probably came out in the '80s. So the top, uh, the top movie was Lord of the Rings. Whoa, that came out that long ago. <laughs> yeah, 17 years old. Man, I uh, I kind of feel old. Because I didn't realize that I was that young when the first one came out. But I do, like, I remember that was, I think, the first movie that I saw in the theaters with my parents where we were all like, I just don't want to sit anymore. Oh, man, it was so long. (laughs) That movie was... It was really long because that was, like, I guess back... That was when I started to get to, like, oh, you know, with DVD we have so much space. Because, I mean, before that, the longest movie I'd ever seen was... um, titanic and that was a two vhser so you know and uh we didn't see that in theaters because i was would you think of me as less of a man if i told you as a child i went saw titanic like five times in the movie because i liked that movie so much well i don't know how it was for you but i was in the fifth grade i um which i'm assuming you were in probably in middle school so i'm sure you 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 had different things going on when you watched that movie but it was a big deal, like, the fact that my parents even let me watch that movie. Everybody else I knew, like, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we watched it, and then my parents fast-forwarded through that part, and then it's like, whoa, whoa, I saw the whole thing. <laughs> I saw the whole thing. The whole enchilada. And, and, you know, now looking back, it's just like pre-internet days, man, they were rough. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Poe's talking to Evie about the Titanic right now. I gotta find a way to well, shut him up. The, the but, problem is if Evie was on the door, there definitely wouldn't be room for him because she's she's a chunky chunky monkey. She's 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 laying down on the on a blanket right now, and she's like, "Paint me like one of your French dogs." Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like a history nerd as a child, so I was obsessed with the Titanic, even though it was like none of that I think was actually that was accurate, the, obviously, I, but I was like such a nerd about it. I loved it. I think that was like the least historically accurate movie that's probably ever came out. Like Braveheart is probably more historically accurate, and I'm pretty sure like 90% of that never actually happened. Yeah, no, but when you're a kid, you know, you're just like, ooh, the Titanic, that's a thing that happened. Um, and then the movie of the year, or not the movie, I'm sorry, the the song of the year of 2001 was, it was a Bootylicious, Bootylicious by Mr. Acker Bilk. Oh, I didn't know he sang that. I didn't realize that was originally a clarinet-based song. Yeah. Yeah, Dusty's Child, everybody. Everybody's poppy. Everybody's favorite. Oh, man. Uh, Destiny's Child. Destiny's, uh... Destiny's whole child. Okay, so, um... So, between the years... Let's, let's go ahead and jump into it. Really bad, uh... Really bad job of me of fading into the story, but here we go. Yeah, like between, uh, this, I'm gonna run away from this story. I'm gonna find my destiny's child. Yeah, terrible, terrible job there. But hey, we do what we can. All right, between the years of 2000 and 2001, Mason Gordon created a game that was a mix of basketball, gymnastics, hockey, and football. 
Oh, I thought, like, when you said a mix of basketball, I was really hoping this was going to be about, like, a real basketball thing. Uh, this is probably the most wait, basketball-y wait, wait. thing that is, you could think of. Is this the, um, the Slam League or whatever? The Trampoline League? Slam! Ba-da-da-da! Ba-da-da. It is. Yay! I, the, that was, that's like the most violent version of basketball because all it takes is you landing on not the trampoline part and you, like, break an ankle. Yes, so you guessed it. This is the story of Slam Ball. I am, I am, I am like stoked because a I thought Slam Ball happened like later on, like more recently than that, and also because I actually had this conversation with with one of my buddies before about this, and uh, I think he said something about he ran across it a while back. It was like on TV still. It's made, so we'll get to that. But it's it's had several like iterations where it's kind of come back and gone away and come back and gone away. Okay, so anyone that watched the early telecasts were instantly reminded of the NBA Jam games from the 90s. And that was actually part of um, the creator's creator's vision for it. He was a big fan of video games and, and NBA and Mason Gorn was like, you know, NBA Jam's awesome, so can we do something like that? And that's kind of where this started. Did he make people play with large paper mache heads on so that they fit with the theme of <laughs> NBA Jam? Or light them on fire, you know, when they were doing really good? So that's actually the second thing I added in my script here, is I said the only thing missing was a fiery basketball and players with mutant heads. <laughs> it's like we're, so you were thinking? It's like we're finishing each other's... Sandwiches. Uh, so, he, uh, Mason Gordon said the fluidity of basketball, the aggressiveness and physicality of football, and also this idea that video games kind of unleash your imagination in the sport was um, how he kind of described the creation process of it. I mean, I feel like in, at a more realistic level, you should be like, yeah, I thought this was cool because, you know, it just makes everybody, like, fly really high. Okay, uh, I grew up doing three things in just only three things. <laughs> those, this is a direct quote to you. Oh, I thought those this three was you things talking. Were, no, those three things were playing football, playing basketball, and playing video games. He did nothing so else. I, he didn't do homework. He didn't blink. He didn't breathe. Nope. He didn't steal his parents' Sears catalogs. He didn't sleep. He just played video games, basketball, and a little bit of football. So as I got a little bit older, I saw an opportunity to kind of put those three things together in a blender, hit the button, and see what happens. I didn't really know what I was doing. I went into a little warehouse in East LA and built the first court from spare parts and it just kind of took off from there. Uh, Mason Gordon had no history in any type of engineering and he was putting his own body at serious risk as he began to be the lab rat for his own creation. I mean, could so this could, dude just went put a bunch of trampolines in a warehouse and started jumping was, around trying to slam the ball? I was about to say, like, couldn't he just literally go buy a bunch of like those small workout trampolines and do it? Or is he making like high tension trampolines? Like he built this in the garage or in the cave out of the spare parts kind of thing. 
Well, so he had to. It had to be even, and it had to be a flat surface like a basketball court, but with trampolines built well, in. Okay. So I think that's the most impressive part is that he was able to put that together. It's not even though because they're like five foot trampolines that have um, spaces in the middle. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get any jump. That's yeah. I guess that's true. I still I give him credit for it because if you ever look at a slam ball court, it was it looked like a pretty big feat of engineering to get those trampolines the right size and everything. Well, what it looked like was they bought a bunch of trampolines and just put them next to each other. Oddly shaped trampolines and tossed them underneath in it. Hey man, whatever works. Uh, <laughs> during this early development, Gordon met with Mike Tallin a TV producer who had worked on shows like Smallville and award-winning movies like Wild Hogs and Coach Carter. Um, wait, Wild Hogs came out in 2001? No, that's, that was later oh. on. I'm just giving you a breakdown of stuff this guy was involved in. Uh, that, was, that was an instant classic, by the way. If you've never seen Wild Hogs, I, that's what an Academy Award-winning match. Well, if you look at the cast, is. you're probably like, dang, this has got all big names in it, but that's pretty much where the excitement ends. Yeah, and Coach Carter's uh, one of those movies that... Actually, all I know about Coach Carter is I won it when I graduated at grad night back in 2007, and it's still in my DVDs wrapped in the shrink wrap Whoa. never been watched. Are you, are you telling me you never seen Coach Carter? Because that was actually a really good movie. That was kind of like a basketball version of Remember the Titans, but not okay, as so memorable. I might have to watch Yeah, you should probably watch it. Um, it. It's actually pretty good. Actually, what I really won was I won a set of pots and pans, but there was this girl I liked, and she's like, I'm going away to high school, and I could really use, I mean, I'm going away to college, and I could really use these pots and pans, and she won Coach Carter, and I was like, hey, let's trade. I'm an idiot. Wow. Wow. So what I kind traded, of, what like, kind of, $60 worth of pots and pans for a $5 movie. What kind of, like, person looks back on their life and is like, man, I really wish I would have kept those pots and pans. That's when you know that you're this a boring, guy. boring boring human being which i would have been like hey girl I i'm keeping so many magical things with those i'm gonna make me all the omelets so so when gordon told Tallinn about the uh, about slam ball he wasn't excited about this frankenstein sport that gordon made but after six months um he kept thinking about it little by little it kept popping up into his head and then he decided that it actually was um interesting and he decided to help out so he wasn't into it at first okay so uh, i'm going to describe the slam ball court real quick the original design and it ended up being the design they kept but it was a, a spring floor that lies adjacent to two sets of four trampolines or spring bed quads which dominate each end of the court. Each trampoline surface measured 7 by 14 feet with shock, uh, shock absorbent panels and paired with competition bed trampolines to create a unique playing surface. So basically the trampolines they used are the ones that you see in uh, the Olympics, you know, like in the gymnastics where they have that one sport where people just jump really high on trampolines. It's those type of, of trampolines. I don't remember that sport. Yeah, that's a thing, actually. Uh, it launched players to inhuman heights and cushions their landing upon returning to the floor with specifically engineered pads that are designed to cover the frame rails and their tapered design allows for maximum safety for on-court play. 
The entire playing surface was surrounded by an eight-foot plexiglass wall, much like a hockey rink. And then players wore protective cups and special equipment to protect various areas of the body. This consists of knee and elbow pads and an optional slam ball specific helmet. So they designed a helmet specifically for slam ball, but mainly people are just dressed like professional skateboarders. Yeah, I don't know. That feels weird. It's like you take Tony Hawk and like mix him up with a Harlem Globetrotter. Yeah, so these basically, they aren't the backyard trampolines. They have a little less tension. They can get you insanely high. And they also kind of add for a safer landing than uh, than the t- kind of trampolines you'd have in the backyard because there was a little uh, a little more tension. Well, in the, plus in the springs. you know I don't know if you've ever tried this before, but if you try to put four circles together, they usually don't match up. That's true. There is some weird openings. Wouldn't that have been different if Slam Ball just had a bunch of circles under the net? Everybody would just be landing in between and breaking their ankles. They're like, yo, um, we went to Academy and just bought a couple trampolines, like the the ones that are like four feet off the ground. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> They brought in a play, a pool of 500 players to try out for the fledgling sport and ended up keeping five guys to help develop the game. James Willis, Sean Jackson, David Redmond, Michael Goldman, and Jeff Sheridan became the guinea pigs that would help produce the first few games of Slam Ball. These players would later end up on the rosters for the Los Angeles Rumble and the Chicago uh, Mob, two of the inaugural season teams that were in the in the slam ball league that's about to be created. By the way, this kind of goes back to the USFL, but what awesome team names. I mean, the Los Angeles Angels is kind of lame, but the Chicago Mob, come on now, that's a great one. It should have been the other way around, really. The Los Angeles Mob? Yeah. It's 2001, you know, they just had, you know, something happen only a couple years before. Yeah, like, oh, 10 years before. No, I thought that happened, like, in the late 90s. I thought that was late 93. Whatever. Somewhere there's somebody listening to this right now that has no clue what we're talking about, but we know what we're talking about. You know, I feel like you could grow up under a rock and still know that there were L.A. riots at one point. True. After a series of exhibition games between these two teams, the sport began to gain the attention of the streetball community. 400 players were listed as potential um, potential players, and open tryouts were held. The number of players was cut uh, uh, cut to 60, and the first uh, slam ball combine was held. The main goal of the combine the combine was to teach safety, the game, and basic strategy. So that was kind of his target audience was the streetball community, like the traveling streetball players, and. Um, you know, he actually had to bring people in to teach them how to play because even though it was just trampolines and basketball, there's like specific things you have to do for safety, like how to land, um, how to, you know, how to check each other. Cause there was some checking involved. I don't know if you remember that, but they did run well, into each other pretty regularly. I remember being very physical. Also, um, LA riots happened in 1992. So yeah, it's a little Ooh, off. Ooh, I was close. I said 93. Um, but I mean, I I remember being physical, but like basically, when you add trampolines, you take out the entire aspect of what basketball is, to where like you can no longer do the main function of it, which is dribble the ball. 
Well, yeah, if so, you remember, the middle of the floor was solid, so there was dribbling, like, in the midsection. It was just once you got around where the key is, that's whoa, where the, the trampolines maybe were. Maybe I'm getting confused and thinking about a different version, because I thought the whole thing was, was a series of trampolines. So you're saying it was only in the No, there was, was like a no man's end? land in the middle. Yeah, there was a no man's land in the middle that was actually just a regular floor that... Um, so, was, was so you just jump up like eight feet in the air and land on the surface of on a hard surface no no everything underneath the basket was a trampoline so if you so if you look at um at what the court actually looked like there's a middle area and then there's um the and that's like a quarter of the the quarter of the court, and then the other sections are trampolines. But there was a middle no man's land that was actually where, um, where they would dribble and pass and stuff. I'm trying and, to look it up now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Look that up so you kind of know what it looks like. In 2008, Gordon said it's actually a very different skill set than what you would find at the highest levels of basketball and football. The premium is really on-ball specific skills, but most importantly on body control, the ability to be able to hold body positions in the air, maneuver your body in the air, and it's a big adjustment for a lot of these guys uh, who are used to being 35 to 40 inches off the ground, but now they are 140 inches off the ground. Being able to maintain a semblance of body control and purpose at those elevated heights is a really unique skill, and we're going through the process now of trying to find elite athletes for the new se season. So basically what he's saying is, uh, is uh, that people thought it was simple, but when they came in, they didn't realize how much of the gymnastics aspect actually was, uh, was involved. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know much about, you know, muscle control and all that, but it does seem like it would be really hard to navigate yourself when you are no longer anywhere near the ground. You know, making those yeah, mid-air corrections. It's one of those things that, like, when you know when you play a video game, you complain that you can't move around in the air correctly, but then you realize in real life, like, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it, I, I went back while I was writing this up and looked at it, and it's actually more difficult than I, I thought it was, for sure. Uh, Gordon also said, It's funny, we have tried out about 500 athletes for slam ball, and almost universally they, there's been an adjustment period for even the most accomplished athletes that we've taken in. We use what is called progression-based learning techniques to upgrade their skills. We usually take a gymnastic-style approach, teaching them, teaching them very simple skills, and then asking them to build on those skills and start linking those things together into more and more complex abilities. Um, and here's another thing that's funny: is you keep mentioning gymnastics. Like they're trying to teach like these mid-air body control techniques to guys that are like over six feet tall, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you go back and look, these guys looked like almost like football players like the size of safeties but then they were doing these incredible gymnastics moves while they were playing basketball it was it, it was a really unique sport like i got to give them credit for that they had a they had definitely had a, a system in place to teach these guys how to play which is impressive especially when you take guys that have been playing on you know they probably just played college ball or whatever and 
they've been playing on, you know, and not doing any of that stuff. And a lot of those guys probably couldn't dunk that great. Yeah, uh, in very few cases, in fact, and this is still Gordon talking, only three to date, we've had players walk into tryouts and we didn't have to teach them a thing. They could just do it. We had a joke about one of the players that he must be an alien from a planet where they already had slam ball. The guy just walked in and he could do everything right away. It was kind of like a native skill. That was very encouraging for us at an early stage that there were some people who were just gifted with this capacity. This guy probably, like, is from the moon or something. Like, ah, what's this <laughs> gravity thing? Uh. You know what it was? He was probably used to playing with those moon shoes we used to see around us, like, when we were kids. Oh, Those bouncy, man. dangerous moon sh- shoes that would break people's ankles. Those were, like, a rip-off. Yeah, I don't think they worked very well. I mean, they. I think they literally gave you, like, an extra inch of jump. And on top of that, like... Yeah, I, uh, I just think it was like fabric on the shoe. It's like, oh, look at me, I'm jumping. And it's like, well, you're going to like break something. <laughs> Do you remember all the different things like that that existed? Though? They had those ridiculous like balloon gloves that came out around that whoa, time. And whoa, They would always uh, advertise for them on yep. boppers. More fun More than a fun pillow, than a pillow fight. fight. I had bought a pair of those, a set of those when I was older. And... Uh, I ended up fighting somebody with them and we just like ended up hurting the crap out of each other because at a certain point when you're when you have a certain amount of strength you, the balloon walls don't stop the momentum of your fist <laughs> so then you essentially just end up punching each other while wearing balloons on your hands yeah I don't think those were necessarily safe but hey it was fun. The 90s was a fun time where toys didn't have to be at the safest level. It's not like the nanny panty toys that come out now or they're all safe. We got stuff that could actually hurt each other. Uh, after the players were chosen, a league began to form and Gordon landed to deal with Spike TV in 2002. Pat Croce, the Philadelphia 76 owner, signed on as a partner. Man, that's when Spike TV was awesome. Was that in the Man Show time? Mm-hmm. Man, I remember like Thousand Ways to Die, the Man Show. That's when well, it was at its at its peak. A thousand peak Ways to Die lasted for a little while, but um, it did, I yeah. I just remember like being I don't remember how old exactly. It was around that time frame, and the Man Show was on, and I wasn't really supposed to watch it, but I every once in a while I'd catch it late at night. And it was just, I, all I remember from that show is the deer that was singing that was tied to the truck and then the midgets that were running around uh, dressed as penises. <laughs> now, you, um, do you remember the skits that Andy Milanakis had on there, like the one where he dressed up like a Boy Scout? Um, I'm pretty sure that guy made a career off of dressing as a child until he was like 40. And then it's like, you got visible wrinkles. There's no way you're a child anymore, even though you look like one. <laughs> he would sit out like a Boy Scout and add outside of a liquor store. And oh, I remember that one now. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. And he would try and to get like, people hey, to buy Mr. him booze. Can you buy us some beers? Yeah. And, yeah, and his little Boy Scout uniform. That was pretty funny. Dude, that was that was top notch, Andy Milanakis. And was Jimmy Kimmel on the Man Show? Yeah, it was Jimmy, I feel like was, he was, but I can't it remember. It was Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla. 
Okay, so yeah, that was... Man, that was a good show. Bring back the man show. Well, Hashtag well, bring it back. Jimmy Kimmel sold out. It's kind of funny to think about the fact that that was Jimmy Kimmel's life at one point, and now he's, you know, basically at a point where he has to pander to, like, every single demographic on The Late Show or whatever the ABC version is. Yeah, he's he's lame now. I mean, Jimmy that's, went lame. that's one of the better ones out there. Well, since all the other people left. True. It's better than that Colbert rapport on CBS. Um, so, uh, let's see. Six teams made up the original Slamball League. These teams were the Bouncers, the Diablos, the Mob, the Rumble, the Slashers, and the Steel. I like, I think my favorite name so far is the Bouncers. Just because it's like basically explains what they're doing. <laughs> I know that one's great because you hear bouncers and you're thinking like the big guys outside of a club. No, this is literally guys that just like yeah. <laughs> we, I like to play basketball, but I with like trampolines. I'm a bouncy boy. Uh, Reggie Thus, an NBA All Star, served as a commentator on Spike TV. And the league also aired on British TV channel Trouble. Oh, man. I can't imagine people, like, in England watching this. And, like, I say, these gentlemen are flying through there on trampolines. Oh, bly hell, the Americans have done it again. Oh, bly me. It is the most, like, American sport ever, by the way. Because you got, like, the danger of football mixed with basketball and then like high flying extreme well, sports f- i can't see the british being that into the it. fact that they put like eight foot plexiglass boards around this place where like people were flying in the air and probably like pushing each other into said boards it's like yeah i don't know if that's what you would call safe you should probably put some padding on those you know nah man glass hidden plexiglass always is is the top notch i mean at least in hockey when you're getting hit into that you're a, wearing a helmet, and B, not flying through the air. <laughs> I still, I, I need to go back and look at what the original Slam Ball uh, helmet looked like, because that blew my mind when I read that earlier, and it said that they had their own helmet. I imagine it was just like a boxing helmet, but shaped like a basketball. Yeah, I think it was just like a like one of those, uh, almost like the, yeah, the boxing helmets. So what exactly were the rules of slam ball? It's actually more complicated than you probably remember when when you saw it originally. Uh, ESPN ran a special about the sport and kind of talked about what what it was and how it was growing, and um, they kind of broke down the positions so that people knew uh, knew exactly what each position hey, was called. Hey, can I interrupt you? Sure, go ahead. So I did look up the slam ball helmet. And it essentially looks like a mixture of, it looks like a a, a uh, bicycle helmet, but soft. Like they basically like took the padding out of a bicycle helmet, and or and, and put it in something else because it's just like foam padding that's just in like random places around, like at the top of your head and at the side, and at the front. So it's like a strip of foam that goes across the front. And then a str- and then like padding that goes on the top, and then some padding in the back. But it's soft, so it essentially looks like a soft hockey helmet. I guess would be a better explanation. So you're telling me we were way off on what the yeah thing they basically was. like we're like let's buy hockey helmets and take the plastic part off. 
Okay, that's good to know. I'm... And it had no strap or anything, so it just basically was like on the head. You won't know what... Well, you might know what I'm talking about, but I imagined it looked more like the uh, soccer helmets that goalies win after they get a concussion in their career. That's kind of what I was Yeah, but soccer... Like. Yeah, because those are only like really on the, the around the front part where they would hit the ball. Yeah. I call it the Ricardo Clark helmet because when he played for the, the Dynamo for a while, he got a concussion and then got scared to get hit in the head, so he had this like ridiculous puffy helmet that he wore for like a whole year. There's a few... Um... Like midfielders and stuff that that would wear the helmets. Yeah, I think Peter Check, the goalkeeper, used to always wear one of those too. Anyway, that was definitely a side chan- a side tangent. So uh, let's break down the positions that uh, people played in slam ball. First of all, you had the handler. The handler's primary job was, if you could guess this, handling the ball. I uh I don't think I would have ever guessed that. His job was to run the offense and organize the other members while controlling the flow of the game. Typically, he would be responsible to set up the gunners to attack the basket while adding in his own offensive threat comparable to a point guard in basketball. Okay, I was going to say, this guy literally sounds like a point guard. Why didn't they just call him that? <laughs> nah, dog, he's a handler. I mean, that sounds like he's either molesting them or... Just, you know, a gropey man. It sounds like he's, like, training a tiger out there or something. Like, yeah, I'm the handler. I'm going to get old old Tony the Tiger to come and attack the other well, team. Well, I mean, if you're going to be anything, you know, being Tony the Tiger seems like a good option. Because guess what? He's great. Slam ball is great. <laughs> uh, the other positions were the gunner, and that was the primary score on the team. A team's gunner will be the player on the team that will attack the basket and finish plays against the opposing team's stopper. Oh. Comparable to a forward or wing player in soccer or hockey. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess that wouldn't really ever stick in high school, though, because you don't really want to have gunners in high school. Yeah, you can't call it a gunner. You'd have to call it a, a wing yeah, or something. You know, well, you know, they can try it at the... Uh, I'm not going to finish the joke. I was going to say instead... I was going to do a, a, a pun on combine and say columbine but we'll just explain it and hopefully that kills the joke okay i'm gonna go ahead and continue before you say something you regret here in a few seconds every sentence i say is even more regretting just in life in general (laughs) Uh, the last position on the team was the stopper that position was the primary defensive player. I, he trails the offense only when necessary, and he protects the rim from attacking players by using himself as a shield. I, I imagine as being like the most out of shape guy. You know, like like when I play like full when I get like sucked into playing, well, sucked into <laughs> dragged into playing full court <laughs> basketball, and then like after three or four trips down, it's just like, hey, you guys go ahead. I'm just gonna hang out like. You know, at the top of the, the top of the three-point line, and you know, I'll just go back about twenty feet when you need me. Next time you play basketball, just tell everybody that I'm going to play as the stopper. I don't know. I'd prefer to say I want to be the handler, but I don't know if they would like that at my youth league. <laughs> uh, teams were ch- uh, free to choose their own configuration, and the usual formations being one stopper, two handlers. 
and one gunner or one stopper, one handler, and two gunners. So unlike basketball, well, I guess basketball you can do this too, but you have some say in how you want your team to, to look when you go out. I was about to say, in basketball you can pretty much do whatever the heck you want because there's a lot of shooting guards that essentially play the point guard position. Yeah, true. Or you can be like Ben Simmons and be the size of a power forward but play point guard, so... The game's changed now. Well, it's not as specific as it used to be, I you guess. You kind of learn to adapt when you can't shoot the ball, so... True. But remember, one day he's going to be a great shot. That's what everybody says. One day. Well, when he's on his fifth rookie season. <laughs> uh, games are played in four five-minute quarters, unlike the NBA, which plays four 12-minute quarters. The game commences with a bounce-off in which the ball is bounced at center court. The ball must reach its apex uninterrupted, at which point the players are allowed to check each other. Like Ten for, minutes for, are allowed for, for a halftime break. Or <laughs> yeah, or... they bounce the ball, then they check each other for ticks as the ball is going down, and then once the ball goes to a complete stop-off, the handler can just go grab it, and he's free to do what he pleases. Did you say stop-off? Huh? I feel like you just said stop-off. I didn't say stop-off. Well, I guess your mic cut out in a way to where it sounded like you said stop-off. No, no stop-off in here. Oh, okay. Stop-off it like it's hot. No thanks. There was 10 minutes allowed for a halftime break, and only one timeout is permitted for each team, which may be only used during the last two minutes of regulation play. Wait, can... Yeah. So... Just to clarify, you said they play five-minute quarters? Yeah, four or five-minute quarters. That's a 20-minute Wow, that is... I still... You know, one thing that's kind of making me think, because I'm just remembering my days when I could, you know, jump on a trampoline without breaking it. Uh, That's (laughs) got to make your cab muscles burn like crazy. Just playing like at a... Like, you know, trying to play at like a high velocity and get as much air as possible like your calves would just be on fire i feel like afterwards there should have been a team called like the seattle shin splints so i think um i think this is written in here later but they had the substitute system was basically like hockey where you just ran in and ran out when you needed a break so they did have a substitute system, I mean, it seems... Which, I mean, you would have to because people would die if they had to play 20 minutes of this Yeah, I mean, it's it's season. one of those that's like, oh, they only played for 20 minutes, but when you realize the amount of, like, effort that it would probably take into, A, getting yourself lift off and balancing on... You know, because you can't walk on a trampoline. You have to bounce. So, like, if you have to take more than one step, which you probably would to get more momentum, you, you know, that's going to be exhausting after a minute. Especially if you're trying to, like, do other stuff. Yeah, nothing about this is easy. I did realize that. Like, I used to think as a kid it looked like it was fun, and then I went back and watched clips, and I was like, damn, that was actually a pretty legit sport in terms of how hard it was to play. The core strength, man. I bet you those guys had abs. Abs for days. could wash your clothes on them. Uh, Each player can commit just three personal fouls before he is removed from the match, unlike the NBA, which is six. A coach or player displaying poor sportsmanship 
such as fighting, arguing against the official, may be charged with a technical foul. Well, that's, I mean... Two technical fouls resulted in a disqualification. Okay, so they kept that rule about the same, huh? Well, pretty much. I mean, yeah, except for... disqualified for being an a-hole. Except for in the NBA, you can literally, like, ask the ref how much time's left in the game, and they'll kick you out if they don't like you. Just like that time Tim Duncan got kicked out of the game for laughing. Well, it was a it was a maniacal laugh, you know, because that's what Tim Duncan's known for being a dirty player. The ref was like, "Don't laugh at me." I think that was Jerry West that did that, which has been known to be a douchebag when it comes. I to I don't even watch basketball, but I'm pretty sure that I know who that ref is. Yeah, dude, not not good. Jerry West, uh, he was. He was uh, always pretty, uh, had a pretty big trigger finger for calling fouls and stuff, so. It's like, stop laughing at me! You get a technical foul! They're like, oh. I hate you, Tim Duncan! Oh, he's British, too, huh? Yeah, for today, is. <laughs> uh, when a foul is called, the player who has committed it will then take position on the baseline of the lower trampolines while the player who was offended while will take up the offensive position at center court. Wait, you said... And no, I don't mean offended oh. like he got mad about something that happened. Like, the guy that was fouled will it's take like, that position. He said I smelled bad. He was so mean to me. He said my mama was so fat that if she were to play this game, she'd break the trampolines. Your mama joke, personal foul. <laughs> That's a technical foul, man. You don't talk about nobody's mama. So this whole thing that we're talking about right now is called a face-off, like the John Travolta-Nick Cage movie. Oh, I was thinking more like, you know, hockey. No, they actually, like, cut each other's face off and then swapped it Ooh. if you committed too many fouls. That You know what's funny, and I don't really watch The Office, but as soon as you said that, the image of Dwight with the dummies cpr dummies face oh, on man. like so it immediately good. popped into my head even though i am one of those people those weird people that really enjoyed the movie face off and when it first came out i remember watching that movie with my parents and i was like this movie is amazing and i would just make comments about it and people would be like that movie was terrible shut up you know the movie for that like that for me was that movie with uh, tom cruise and uh uh, Jamie Foxx called Collateral. I actually really enjoyed that movie, but and I thought like everybody liked it. But now, anytime I bring it up, I kind of get a look like, "How could you like that movie?" So I'm trying to remember what I'm trying to remember that movie because when you said Collateral, the first thing that popped up was the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie uh, Collateral, no, that's Damage. Collateral Damage. Yeah, this is the movie where Jamie Foxx was a cab driver. Oh, and Tom Cruise was a white-haired dude that paid him for the whole night, and then just went around and became was like doing hit. Yeah, things. that wasn't that bad of a movie. I mean, it was one of what Jamie Foxx's first movies, though, right? It was one of his first serious roles. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, my favorite compared to the Jamie Foxx show. I think my favorite part of that movie is still the part where they're the cab they're driving around with the cab and the windshield has blood all over it and they get pulled over by the cops and the cops are like, What happened? And Jamie Foxx goes, Oh, we hit a deer and he's like, You hit a deer in the middle of South LA Okay, that's gonna <laughs> say like, yeah. like I was like I thought they were in New York or like a major like metropolitan area. Yeah, they were in there they were like driving through Compton at that point in time. He's like, <laughs> You hit a deer here? That part always sticks with me. So funny. Um, the more we talk about this movie, they realize 
I don't know if I've seen this. I feel like I'm thinking of another movie where Jamie Foxx played a cab driver, but I don't think that exists. Well, I'll watch Coach Carter and you watch Collateral, and then we'll have a like a book report well, next episode. I mean, I don't know. We're talking about taxi drivers and comedians. You know, I just want to watch um, that uh, Jimmy Fallon movie with um, Queen Latifah. Oh, man, that was the thing. <laughs> I forgot about that. I totally forgot that existed. Was That, that was like... One of Jimmy Fallon's only movie roles, too. Whoa. That, which, oh. that movie's probably the reason why he never has movie probably. roles. Probably. But I think after that, he or I don't remember if it was after that or before that, but Fever Pitch is like probably the only solid movie he's ever done. And Oh, dude, I forgot about Fever Pitch. Yeah, and it's, it's still... What a not-so-terrible yeah, romantic comedy. It, yeah, I mean, it was just... It was basically like an Adam Sandler movie. They just put Jimmy Fallon in it. And didn't make him do that weird, ooh, what are you doing? Oh, no, voice in it. <laughs> I think that was, like, based off a true story, too, if I recall. Well, I mean, it was the, he was a Red Sox fan, right? And those people were crazy. Yeah. Well, they were well, crazy up true. until that point. They were crazy up until... Uh, until they're going to be crazy up until this week where the Astros are going to kick the Red Sox ass and go back to the World Series. Yeah, Ooh, baby. It's my time to be a, um, a that one time that I pretend like I follow baseball. Yep, dust off your Astros shirt that sits in the closet all year long. It's playoff time. I'm going to dig up my, uh, my Jeff Bagwell stuff that I got like 20 years ago. So you were a Bagwell guy, not a Biggio? Um, well, I liked both of them, but... I will say I went to a game and they happened to be giving out Bagwell poster and I had that on my door, um, not visible to the public in any way. It was on the back of the door, so. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and I was uh, I wasn't allowed to have my door closed. I'm pretty sure I had a vi- maybe. I bet I had like the same poster, a very similar one. Actually, now that it I was think him about it. in mid swing, and it was a pretty cool poster, I will admit, because he was like in mid swing. Uh, I will. I don't. I didn't like those jerseys. I hated like the two thousands Astros logo. I really liked what they're doing now, though. Yeah, I like the look now. I do. I did like those jerseys, though. You're talking about the gold star, like the yeah. Gold they were like star. that dark navy or something, weren't they? Yeah, it was better than the red and the the dark red and black with the pinstripes that they did later in the two thousands, where it looked like they were just trying to copy classic teams and add pinstripes to their jersey for no reason i don't remember those um but that doesn't sound very good i just didn't like that weird like it's basically like they took the stars logo and put like astros over it um so anyway that was the face-off upon a signal from the referee the offensive player will be free to mount an attack at the basket which the defender now must endeavor to stop the defender must enter the lower trampoline only after bouncing from the side trampoline. If the offensive player is successful, then points will be awarded depending on the shot converted, and the offensive player's team will retain possession of the ball. Um, In the case of any tie-ups, the defensive player always gains possession, but if the shot was blocked, the offensive team retains the ball from center court. So they basically just stared each other down, and then the defender tried to stop the offensive player by getting in his way and causing an injury or something. Was goaltending a rule? Because I feel like it would be really hard to not goaltend. 
Goaltending was legal. Okay, because that it's is something like, that was in there. Um, as a defender, you're like jumping on a trampoline, and it's like, oh, I accidentally goaltended because I jumped ten feet in the air. Which yeah, if they tried to call goaltending, the game would stop like every thirty seconds because there was a lot of goaltending. That was about your basic defensive move was to goaltend. Like you got to. I mean, it. I don't know how many people were jumping on a trampoline and trying to shoot at the same time. I feel like there was the one guy. Like a handler who could shoot and it was just standing back on like the surface and yeah they did have like a three point shot yeah where you could jump up and and shoot it wasn't all dunks that, but it was like ninety percent dunks that would take if you got trampolines why wouldn't you dunk? well that took a whole lot of coordination to not only be flying upward but to probably be going backwards or forwards in in the air and shoot a three point shot. I don't think Eric Gordon would even be that efficient at that. So I, I did write Kevin down. Durant. I did write down some of the things that would result in fouls or, or would result in faceoffs. I'm not going to go through all of them because there's like 11, but I'll go over some. When an offensive player has the ball and a defensive player checks him in the back, so basically a blocking in the back resulted in a faceoff. Uh, when an offensive player bounces on a trampoline twice while in possession of the ball. So that was basically their version of traveling. Whoa. That was a turnover. How were you not allowed to jump? T- so, like, you, like you couldn't jump twice on a single trampoline or, like, without moving? No, you moving. couldn't just, like, stand. Yeah, you couldn't, like, stand on a trampoline on the side and just keep bouncing. So, you, had to manu- you had to move towards the basket. You always had to be moving towards the basket. So, since a large chunk of the field was trampolines you essentially had to just keep moving it was it would have been a very very fast-paced game which i mean i think we both remember it was yeah no you can you couldn't just stay on the same trampoline you had to you had to make your way forward throughout the the whole game otherwise you would turn the ball over so that was basically how they did traveling and slam ball i walk into memphis uh, when two players from the same team are on the same island or trampoline, um, it was called a station, and that resulted in a turnover, so you couldn't have two guys on the same trampoline from the same team. Oh, no two guys, one trampoline. And then my favorite was the popcorn effect, and this is when a defensive player deliberately interferes with the offensive player's bounce caused by standing on the offensive player's landing spot to cause the equivalent of a trip in basketball. So you couldn't stand underneath the offensive player while he was bouncing on a trampoline. That way, when he landed on the trampoline, it took the tension out and caused him to fall is basically what that See, I feel like that would be the best thing. Like, that seems like something you could legitimately become good at as a defender is see that someone's jumping to a trampoline and is getting ready to do a shot or something, and then you just jump on it before and just, like, screw them up. That, like, that's actually in my mind when I'm imagining somebody doing that. If we were to, like, put current NBA players in a situation, I imagine it'd be like Draymond Green would be the master at that. Yeah, that basically reminded me of as a kid when you play on a trampoline and you're trying to jump with somebody else and then you guys, like, get off um, off of each other's ri- ri- uh, rhythm and then when you try to land and the other person landed just before you and the trampoline doesn't bounce and your legs just basically cripple under you and you fall feel the rhythm feel the rhyme it's trampoline basketball time it's slam ball time so those were some of the those were some of the basic fouls and turnover regulations I, can i say something now these rules seem very complicated especially the very like physical 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 ones 
um, you know, with the the checking and the and stuff like that, it's just it it ended up being way more specific than I thought. I guess <laughs> it's kind of like that movie that Adam Sandler did, The Ridiculous Six, where like they were making up the sport of baseball during that movie, and he was just calling random rules to make the game easier for him. That's how I imagined it was when they were in that warehouse. Like he, uh, Mason Gordon was probably jumping on a trampoline and another guy stood underneath him and made him crash and burn. And he's like, that's a foul, a foul right here. You can't do that. You impeded my bounce. I mean, it's one of those things that if you compare it to other sports kind of makes sense, but it's just like, you know that they didn't originally come up with that. Like it was probably some guy who was smart enough to be like, you know what? I'm just going to take all the tension out of the trampoline right when he's jumping to it. Yeah. And... And then, like, he's like, well, this could actually be an issue. So I'm going to cut it out because it's ruined scoring. And that was kind of the whole point was how much scoring can we do? It seems to be what they were looking for. I mean, for. the whole thing seems to be 100% based around just really cool dunks. Exactly. I mean, and what else do you really need in any sport? It's all about the cool dunks. I mean, don't tell that to the current NBA. Uh, TV ratings were relatively high for this being a brand new sport. Variety reported that the second season's premiere earned 2.3 million viewers back in 2003. It also drew just 2.9% fewer viewers in the key demographic of men aged 18 to 34 than a Saturday Major League Baseball game between the St. Louis Cardinals and the New York Mets. Well, so you're comparing it to a sport that has like 150 games? A so, lot of which are well, yeah. at noon on Mondays. And this was also kind of the uh, the dark time of baseball where they were having some real issues getting people to, to watch it. That early 2000s were not good for baseball because of all the steroid stuff. I was about to say, well, was it cause and effect? Was baseball just being bad? So they're like, let's roid up everybody. No one will, like, you know, when you look at the uh, McGuire, um, Oakland A's, like, what, rookie card, and he's, like, weighs 100 pounds, and... And his itty bitty, and then you're like, yeah, "Oh, this guy looks like he would be a linebacker." Like now, the '90s were definitely like the Renaissance period for baseball, where it got really popular, and then the steroid era just crashed that and burned it. And it really didn't start bouncing back until like recently, the late like 2010s. Well, after they had all like the people who probably are gonna still end up in the Hall of Fame get in trouble for it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Gordon thought that slam ball had proven itself as a viable game that people wanted to see. Guys, shit. Damn it. Well, I mean, I don't know if he would say that about the sport he created. <laughs> Sorry, you can leave this in. It's just the dogs are being real assholes right now. They've decided that they have to get in on this. Uh, he was disappointed in the lack of coverage it was getting outside of the games that were televised on Spike. So basically what happened here was Gordon thought that the, there was a big enough fan base that slam ball should start being on things like sports center and being treated as a real sport. Yet people still treat it as a gimmick. I can't imagine why, but he was mad about that. Yeah. I, um, I don't, I mean, I can, I, I don't sympathize with him because it is not a sport that appeals to the masses. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to go down and, Find me a hundred trampolines and make a court to play slam ball. 
Yeah, and we're, we're in a minute we'll get to like what the underlying issue to that was because there was a reason why it just wasn't getting the coverage and the attention that he thought it deserved. Uh, the league added two new teams in the second season, but ended up being more trouble than it was worth for Spike. They had received complaints from fans and the creators dealing with the coverage, as I mentioned above, and when Gordon asked for more, Spike decided that they had enough. So it, it really did start becoming more trouble than it was worth because Spike was never willing to commit to it like, a, like baseball or basketball or any major sport, and this guy was on their ass about about it being treated Whoa. like it was a, a real thing. Well, are you telling me that they were not willing to commit to a sport that was literally unplayable outside of the aspect it was played in? Correct. Whoa, I I just I can't even fathom that. Like I mean like you could literally like basketball is a sport, you know, that you can you can literally play anywhere. Soccer's a sport, you can literally play with like a severed head and Hockey, all you need is a hose and to be somewhere where it's cold and you can play it. But, you know, a sport that requires having high-tech trampolines and probably an indoor facility to play, like, how is that unreachable to the masses? So, actually, very smart of you. You figured out what the main problem was here was that people didn't have the opportunity to play the sport on their own. So, it wasn't very relatable to I- people watching i don't know if i buy that though because you and me both grew up in a place where the average temperature was in the triple digits and we both are fans of hockey and hockey was not like a fathomable thing really where we grew up that while that is true you have to imagine there's probably not a whole lot of people in south texas that love hockey for the very reason that people didn't get into slam ball like it just isn't relevant yeah i mean I mean, that's probably why there's not a legit pro hockey team down there. Uh, So, after the second season, they lost the TV rights. But for the third season, a group called Project Revolution uh, started to plan a national tour, but it never took off. So, in 2003, there wasn't a season, and most people forgot uh, about Slam Ball just as quickly as they had started watching it. What a shame. So, it never quite got the traction to be popular. Uh, I was never able to bounce back after that? Yeah, it wasn't the slam dunk Mason Gordon thought it was going to be. In, in 2008, Slam Ball began planning, began planning for a new season, and it was going to be financed by IMG. The league accepted applications through its website for new players and coaches, and tryouts were held in three U.S. cities in April 2008. A training camp for the 2008 season was held at the IMG Academy in uh, Bradenton, Florida, from April to June of that year. Can I can I say something? What isn't IMG involved with? They have like a football academy. They have the the basketball high school set up all over the place. Like they literally just have these sports factories everywhere. Like it, they're just involved in everything, and it's it's kind of shady to me, at least. Well, it's kind of impressive that they have the money to do everything that they do. And the fact that they even wanted to get in the slam ball—it's probably like, well, we got all these kids that we're bringing into our program that aren't ever going to make it past this level, but we have you know a higher percentage of them that actually do. So we'll just take the ones that are probably better than most other high school kids and give them the opportunity to play a incredibly dangerous sport where they're jumping around on trampolines and there's a lot of hard surfaces involved. 
Um, one thing I forgot to mention earlier that I thought was funny is after the first season, they actually had a slam ball draft. Like, there's nothing really relevant to talk about there, but there was a legitimate draft after the first How year. How do you draft people? Like, You hold tryouts and get some tape on them and then pick the guy that can Yeah, it's not like you can find a guy that like played basketball in high school because guy, some guy could have been really good, and he just... And you're, it's not like you have the ability to pick the people who are good anyway. You're picking the guys who couldn't cut it um, in the NBA and couldn't go overseas. <laughs> like, I, I don't even think you're getting, like, the people, like, underneath the NBA. You're getting the people who couldn't make the the generals for the Globetrotters and the people who couldn't go uh, play in China. Like, you, you... Yeah, you're basically getting the, uh, the, uh... Um, people that were in the Uncle Drew movie from a couple of months ago that were like good enough to make themselves look like real realistic basketball players were, but were just basically rec league guys that could jump. I never saw that. I have no intention of seeing that. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna watch it. I'm just okay. gonna go ahead and well, say that's what, okay. what they happened. Uh, well, I was like, are you comparing them to Shaq? <laughs> Shaq and a fool. Uh, over a hundred potential players participated in tryouts. And eventually, there were 64 players after an eight-team draft. The league was cut to the current six teams that they have now. And one of the big draws that um, the slam ball had that year is Ken Carter was brought in as a coach. So, circling all the way back around, Coach Carter became a slam ball coach. Wow. Um, that's a lot of drama. He went from high school coach in a bad area to a um, slam ball coach. Coaching a fake sport. To then, you know, breaking all his bones in his body every time he tried to do anything physical. And then to losing an eye and, you know, then evaporating into the wind. Spoiler alert. Some people haven't seen Coach Carter and don't know what happened. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, that's not a spoiler alert because, uh, you know, he really turned that team around, you know. The evaporation part. Yeah. You're gonna, well, you're gonna ruin the movie for some. I, you know, he couldn't help but that some kind of giant, you know, alien critter tried to attack their basketball team, and just, you know, it was a snap thing. Well, if I had known all this was in Coach Carter, I would have watched this movie years. It's ago. a lot of it's action, amazing. you know. Uh, it's 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 about basketball. It's about saving the world, and it's about saving the kids. So. Uh, this 2008 season was the first season since 2003 and the games were aired in a game of the week format on versus and then the finals where it was actually aired on on cbs and on the week so there's a game of the week type situation but what was their actual attendance this entire time it existed because it's not like you can do this in a venue that probably hosts a large amount of people Mostly just because it didn't have their name recognition. Yeah, though actually the court that they played most of their games on for that year was built at uh, Universal City Walk. So, I mean, it was sponsored by a movie company. You didn't just have slam ball courts all over the country. That's another thing, too, I was going to say. is like I feel like everybody was probably playing in the same court, and they were just staggering games. Yeah, that's pretty much how it had been from the start. Like, even though you had teams that were based on cities like the Chicago Mob, I don't think there was, like, arena in Chicago to play on. Instead, they were basically all at, um, at like, television studios. Oh, well, that's a shame. So, after the 2008 season, I bet you couldn't guess this, but uh, Slam Ball didn't survive again. That was the only season that was played under that format. God slam it. 
<laughs> in 2015, Slam Ball resurfaced in China. After what appeared to be an extended courtship with the Chinese government and the community at large, new Slam Ball facilities began construction throughout China. So this is actually... That was big because this is the first time that Slam Ball was kind of sent out to the masses. Like I said a few minutes ago, you know, the stadiums were all basically, or the arenas were all basically in a single place and the games were staggered. But when they started this Chinese league in 2015, they actually made it into a legitimate, well, like, cities with the away games and home games I'm sh- and stuff. I'm sure the Chinese loved it because it was the only time they've ever been able to touch the rim. <laughs> That's true. Uh d- so, uh, eventually the new partnership with the Chinese uh, created five teams and uh, began to expand the league through Asia. Mason Gordon did exhaustive legwork advancing the process. In 2015, Slamball started capturing the attention, attention of the Chinese public. So, according to a, um, a story that Vice Sports put out, Mason Gordon was quoted saying, we never left. We just needed to take the path best for us. And apparently, <laughs> for, for Slam Ball, China was the correct path because now there's plans to have uh, Chinese college teams created. I imagine my favorite thing about the Chinese leagues, because there's even like Chinese football, is the fact that they have the name of the city is just something that's super, super Chinese, and then they put like an American animal name that's spoken in English. Like, you have the... Like the Shanghai Sharks? Yeah. Yeah. Th- there's even some worse ones than that. There, there's something they, they got like an X and stuff in there and that you can't even figure out how the order of the words are supposed to go in and then they're like the Tiger Cats and it's like, okay, well, I'm, okay. So, now Gordon recognizes that his sport has not had the exponential or linear growth one would hope. But the league's managing director insists that the path it's on is a healthy one. If you look at the history of a couple of major sports that have come along in recent years, specifically skateboarding and mixed martial arts, the flagship standard is that both of these sports struggled over time. Uh, they did really well when they, fell, when they fell off, and then they did really well again, and at some point really disappeared before coming back and taking over pop culture in the respective sports markets. I think slam ball is following that same trend. Well, I mean, to be honest, I think skateboards, skateboarding is bigger than that because at least all you have to do is have a skateboard to do it. Like, you don't have to build a trampoline court. I mean, just people don't watch it because, like, who's going to watch a bunch of douchebags and vans jump over, you know, one-foot gaps and, you know, skate in pools? So, Tony Hawk is this, the only thing that made skateboarding relevant. And then... So this uh, Mason Gorn guy is... He's, he seems very delusional. Yeah, he, that's for, what I was about to say sport, is that he's a little delusional. A sport that sounds like it was made up by a bunch of kids playing in the front yard. Like, I'm when I was a kid, I made up some weird version of of soccer and, um, and hockey. And it just ended up with us beating each other with hockey sticks in the front yard but you know there was about 10 seconds where we thought we had something going yeah he basically did what every child has done which is create a game and then make all his friends play and uh, just make up his own rules as he go but he did it a little bit bigger by bringing in investors and actually getting his game that he created to be f- uh, into existence. to be fair right now 
the sport of basketball, which was made up for a movie, sounds more well thought out than this particular game. I don't know, man. You got the gunners, the handlers, the popcorn effect. He he had some rules down. Well, it didn't have the butterfly effect, which would have probably helped him out. <laughs> uh, one of the things that's always hurt slam ball is the fact that you can't play it anywhere. Unlike skateboarding, there aren't slam ball courts ready for anybody to go to have a pickup game at. Um, and that's true. And I'm going to break into a personal story here real quick because I don't know if you ever tried to play slam ball at home, like with a friend that had a trampoline, but it had some dangerous effects. Well, you know, the fact that most trampolines are high off the ground and you would just fall and hit the ground. And they're also circles. Yeah. So basically as a, in, in early high school or middle school, like around just after the popularity of slam ball, I was over at a friend's house and we decided to put his basketball net over by the trampoline and we were doing some dunks. And then some genius was like, hey, let's play a two on two game on the trampoline. So as you can imagine, this had some bad, uh, this has a bad ending, but we started playing. And one of the guys that was playing with us actually played basketball at, in high school and was on varsity. And so he went up to dunk it, and I tried to block him because we were legitimately playing the game. And when we ran into each other, his leg went through the like that area um, where the springs are. His leg got stuck in the in the springs, and then he kind of flipped over and twisted his knee backwards, and ended up uh, tearing his ACL in his senior year of uh, high school basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happens. Uh, Kids don't try slam ball at home. Man, I I literally like if I would have fell off my trampoline at any point, um, I had like this trampoline I bought at a garage sale that had like seatbelt buckles attached on the ends where it was missing some some sections of it. If I would have fell off that thing, I would have hit a tree root and probably broken something or killed myself because I my backyard was like. 10 feet by 10 feet and had 10 trees in it or something stupid like that. Yeah, not one of my brightest moments as a human being. Uh, Gordon asserts that the success of his sport will ultimately derive from putting the game into the hands of the people. It's one thing for people to be able to enjoy slam ball highlights from the internet from years ago and on television, but to be able to participate, we think that these major victories on the road to uh, establish this as a sport that people can see and participate in. Well, that's a neat perspective. Even with that mentality, I can can guarantee you that there's still a lot of people that don't remember this back in the early 2000s and don't know that it exists now. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that this was still going on in China, and I seriously doubt, unless you're some type of weird slam ball nerd, that you knew that, too. No, I mean, I think I remember seeing something which I felt like it was kind of recent, but it might have been a couple years ago. But, I mean, like I said, I've, I've only talked about it with a couple other people, and they were more bigger sports nerds than I am. So, you know, and it was, you know, mostly us reminiscing on, hey, remember this used to be a thing? And, like, vaguely remembering it to being like, hey, I was randomly watching TV the other day, and I saw that Slam Ball was on. Did you know this was back? And then we were like, whoa, I didn't know that was back, and that was the conversation. (laughs) And that's pretty much been everybody's conversations about Slam Ball recently. Uh, Gordon continues to believe that Slam Ball is going to make a comeback. 
He maintains that um, Slam Ball can make it, and he has some lofty goals for the next five to ten years. Slam Ball will be played grassroots in over a hundred com- countries, Gordon said. Uh, he continued, How? it will be a provisional sport in the Olympics, and there will be a Slam Ball World Cup, and there will be multiple Slam Ball tournaments that are played year-round all around the globe, and the regular season of Slam Ball will take place in America every year to bridge the end of the bridge the gap of the NBA into the NBA season and the beginning of football season. How? If there were, if well, let me get through this, then we'll talk about this. If there was ever a sport that could bridge the gap between the end of the NBA and the beginning of the NFL slam ball, is it? Mm. How do you have a grassroots campaign for a sport that requires so much upfront setup? So that whole, like, that whole thing that he just said sounds like he got into a pile of cocaine and then went and did an interview. He's like, yeah, man, slam ball is going to be played everywhere. We're going to get it in the Olympics. We're going to get back in America. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fantastic slam ball. It's like you can't even like go to an event center or something and be like, I want to have this. And they're like, cool. Like, well, it's going to take us like three days to set up all these trampolines. And then like, another couple days give us two months to build the court and we'll yeah it's like it's not like literally you can play another sport and then the next day have a basketball game you can't do that when you have to build trampolines and i don't even know if you it probably is a good idea to play over ice with that uh no i would i wouldn't say so it's it's ridiculous that he doesn't see that there's some clearly some issues with uh slam ball and how it would grow yeah, I mean, just to be the fact that, like, it, it can never, nothing could ever compete with the sports that already exist. I mean, seriously, like, I don't think anybody's ever going to create a new sport right now that all of a sudden becomes on an even level with with anything that exists now. I mean, baseball is so established, you're not going to push out baseball, even if it does falter, like... Football is so established. The only thing that's going to make it wash out is when it eventually becomes two-hand touch, which, you know, Josh Norman is uh, leading the way on that. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean... And there we go. I quit the podcast <laughs> now, so I'll talk to you And later. what's what's the... Uh, what, well, I mean, he got paid off for that. And then what's, what's the other sport? Uh, I don't know. But I guess what I'm trying to say is... To think that his sport has existed for, however, like for, what I guess seventeen years at this point can exist with sports that have been around since, you know, for fifty, sixty plus years. Yeah, he sounds like a crazy person, but I think we can both say with full confidence that you got to give him credit for what he's done because that that takes some real drive and effort to try to create your own sport and make it popular, and the fact that he's got a bunch of stadium or a bunch of arenas in China and stuff like that. Like he should be happy with the growth that he has, not looking towards the Olympics or trying to get it uh, played in a hundred countries or back in America. Like just be happy with what you got, man. Cause it's impressive. You've made it this far. Yeah. Well, considering his sport exists because he stole the rule from like rules from three other sports. It's not like he went completely original with it. Yeah, true. I I'll, I'll give him credit for days though for what he has done, but this thing's not coming back to America anytime soon. Well, you can just get Eddie Murphy, and then you have coming to America too. Slam ball, slam ball, boogaloo. 
So anyway, that's the story of Slam Ball. That was definitely uh, not what I was expecting. Um, and Slam Ball is one of those things that you look back on it with fonder memories than like when you were watching it. Because I'm pretty sure there was points when I was like, oh, it's Slam Ball. And I watched a couple of minutes and be like, ah, I don't care about this. Because, I mean... It's a novelty. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that I feel like he doesn't understand is this is a novelty. Like, people aren't going to become super fans of teams or anything. You're just watching the sport because it's absurd. I mean, it is. Because it's like, okay, well, you basically take out the major functions of moving the ball in basketball and make it to where literally you just dunk and you take away the strategy aspects of the entire sport. So, I mean, what and, and you're not getting the quality of players. Like, I would really like to see, which I don't think anybody would ever agree to playing, like an NBA version of that and seeing what the difference would be. Let them train for a month. Put the Golden State Warriors versus, um, I don't know, what's another team? There's literally 29 other teams you could name right here. Uh... Well, I'm trying to pick other teams that aren't entirely based on shooting. So maybe the Golden State Warriors are a bad reference. But, like, you know, take take two teams that aren't really that good at shooting but are still, you know, pretty good NBA teams and put them in that situation and see how they do. I mean, heck, take or take the Rockets and the Warriors and put them in there and see what happens. Just give them trampolines. Yeah. You know who would have been awesome at slam ball, though, is Vince Carter. Well, he doesn't need trampolines to fly, so... I know, but imagine <laughs> if you gave him trampolines. He, he would probably hit the ceiling. <laughs> he would just bust through the roof they, and, like, fly out into space. It'd be like Willy Wonka. Like, he'd be up, like, holding on to the rafters, like, I don't know what to do. I'm about to fly into a fan blade. And they're like, there why is there a fan blade in the top high. of the stadium? There goes Vince Carter for a little <laughs> slam dunk. Oompa, loompa, doompa-dee-dee. Vince Carter we gotta save Vince Carter out of that tree (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but uh, I mean yeah it's just it's it's a neat idea but for him to like to think that he could ever be on par with the other sports that already exist is just so absurd but I mean it's it's a neat idea and uh, it's gimmicky I mean the fact that he was only picked up by a network, well, Spike's rebranded itself since then, but, like, Spike didn't have money at the time. Like, that was a basic cable network that picked them up to show them probably at some weird-ass time, you know, in between the man show and, you know, uh, what you said, like, A Thousand Ways to Die or something stupid like that. Like, it's not like... It was a ESPN. Even ESPN, like the eight, would have been a better deal for them. Oh man! If this slam ball should have been on on ESPN the Ocho when that came out a couple of weeks ago, I don't know. Missed a primo opportunity. Well, you know, th- you, you would have ruined the compelling match of uh, boxing chess. Oh, that's true. Or chess boxing. And on next week's episode, we'll talk about box chess boxing. I mean, I like chess boxing, but. All right. Well, that's our episode for this week. Um, if you want to email us, it's atfootpod at gmail.com. Um, that is our, our email is account. That gonna, and hopefully we'll, is that going to stay our email account? Uh, for this week. For We've got some other plans coming out. So for this week, that'll be our email. Next week, we might have a new one. 
and we'll talk about that when we get there but we'll keep up with it for this week and we'll see you back next week with another sports story that you either don't remember barely remember or don't have all the facts for see y'all later bye peace oh don't in like that duty face (laughs) 